0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Culture of Health. In an environment of health disparities, Providence is committed to improving diversity, equity, and inclusion in our communities, workplaces, schools, and more. We focus on what the future of healthcare looks like in today's changing culture, and together we will discuss how we can turn the conversation of culture and healthcare into lasting, meaningful action. I'm Anna Nguyen, a licensed marriage family therapist and program manager for our behavioral health and primary care integration program in Orange County, California, and under, for, under Providence for St. Joseph, St. Jude, and Mission Heritage Medical Group. Joining me today is Q Pandia. She's a licensed clinical social worker that performs as a behavioral therapist for St. Jude Heritage Medical Group located in Fullerton, California. Today, we are discussing the topic of increasing our level of cultural competence by navigating our own individual and universal biases. Janky, I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work with
1: Providence? Hi, Anna. Um, Yeah, of course. Uh, So like you mentioned, um, I am a therapist for Providence. Um, I work and support um, our primary care integration program. We're kind of an extension of them. Um, So working with uh, patients who are being directly referred by their primary care doctors and providing them short-term based therapy.
0: I'm so excited because you know I also have a background in therapy as well, and this is really a conversation where we get to have therapist-to-therapist to therapist, um, topics on, of course, as we are all here for um, bias. Now, let's kind of dive into it and let's talk about what that really means and what it is. We have so many different types of biases, um, but you know what it really kind of comes down to is a lot of the times our brain gathers data. I know at a young age, you know, we always say kids absorb information like a sponge, and the reality is, is, as we continue to grow, we don't necessarily stop, and what bias really is, is it's our filter of our experiences, um, all the things that we've accumulated over time. Every time we interact with someone, we gather all of that data, and sometimes our brain, what it does is it does make judgments. Now, our job is to really identify how it makes the judgment and what can we do about it. Um, Janke... How many um, in your experience in your work as well, you know, what kind of different biases have you come across?
1: Um, I mean, I think in different platforms of the work that I've done, I've definitely come across quite a few types of different biases, Um, you know, implicit bias, conscious bias, unconscious bias, environmental bias. Um, And I think all of these different biases have... um, you know, a big impact on someone's ability to want to seek out support or, you know, be even open to having a conversation with somebody um, about maybe even working on their mental health or addressing mental health concerns. Um, I mean, if we go into the different types of biases, um, you know, unconscious bias, right, that's something that someone may not be necessarily aware of. Um, and it kind of Is something that might be stored, you know, in someone's data bank in your brain, um, and and they not may not be necessarily aware of the fact that that's what they're um, being biased about. Uh, You know, we as human beings, we uh, carry biases because we all have had both different and similar experiences to each other, and um, having these biases, whether they're conscious or unconscious, um, they don't make us bad people. It just means that we want to be aware of. you know, the biases and try not to have them interfere with our judgment or our decision making. Uh, Another form of bias that I have come across is implicit bias. Um, You know, we can have beliefs that don't match um, or contradict our belief system without us realizing it. And, you know, an example of that can be we can be honest about um, liking a particular social group, however, still have an unconscious bias towards that same social group, Um, This may be related to our past, maybe our upbringing. Um, You know, we talked about environmental biases that can also play a role in this. Um, And, you know, these experiences may have um, kind of given us a little bit of like a a guide in how we, we have these biases, but it's also our responsibility, you know, to educate ourselves and, you know, take into consideration how we can, Um, better understand them and not let them affect us like I previously mentioned.
0: I love that you're breaking it down because this topic, it it can be so convoluted. There's so many different types and there's so many different filters that go along with it. I love that you mentioned um, a couple of minutes ago, you've been mentioning, it doesn't make us bad people. If you're human, you have bias unless you are a robot or AI. But because we are human, we have these experiences, they start to accrue over time. And we have ones that maybe we're not aware of like you mentioned the implicit and we have ones that we are aware of which is the explicit bias and those are the decisions that we are actively making with the intention of knowing um, what our biases are and you know as we're talking about this i can tell you i feel like the word bias has such a negative connotation to it because it comes with such an accusation you know when someone um, accuses you like you're biased it really kind of um it comes with the accusation of saying We can't see objectively. We can't see clearly the situation for what it is. And I think over time, there's just been such a negative meaning to it. We wanna break away from that. We wanna talk about more of how can we normalize the idea that every single person has bias. And if we know what it is, if we can identify it, it's really more information that we have. You know, Janky, I always think about mental health and how we think about something like anxiety. If you go through the symptoms of anxiety of a panic attack and you don't know what it is it feels really scary it feels like we're not sure if we're gonna have a heart attack we're not sure if we're dying you know when our heart hurts our chest hurts we get these palpitations Uh, but the more we know about what anxiety is what a panic attack is the more we have control over it i think about bias is the same thing as especially in this day and age is the more information we have about it the more we know the more we're able to make informed respectful decisions without having to be unfair to anyone or even a particular type of group. Now, I know when we talk about bias, we often think about uh, the really common themes of race and ethnicity, but Janki, have you seen um, other themes that have been coming up such as age or background, gender identity, you know, sexual orientation, being differently abled, some of these topics that maybe are not as known?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, like you mentioned, I think, you know, uh, the one that people know about the most um, or can maybe pinpoint and and see clearly as as bias um, are race and ethnicity. And, you know, some areas that people might not kind of put into that category of having a bias or, um, you know, being biased about a certain situation. um, I think even in just the work that I do, some of the stuff that I've come across is, you know, um, bias based on age, um, you know, bias based on um, gender bias based on, you know, someone's ability, um, you know, bias based on their social status. And so uh, it it definitely is something that exists. And it's something that, you know, can impact somebody's well being and their ability to be able to kind of move forward or thrive. Um, But I think these different biases um, also are uh, something that, you know, people fail to realize um, as biases. I think, you know, when you, um, when someone brings up, you know, like an, an older person's ability to do X, Y, and Z, they see it as like, oh, well, they're older. So, you know, that's probably the reason why they can't rather than, that, you know, that's an assumption, right? That's an assumption that they're making about a, someone based on their age without recognizing that person might actually be quite able, right? And so, um, I think it's not, some people don't even recognize that they're being biased in that situation. Um, you know, and I have an example of, uh, you know, coming across something like that. Um, my husband and I were at a grocery, um, store not too long ago and, you know, we were parking and, um, we had noticed that, you know, there was a woman that had parked her car in a, um, uh, handicapped space and, um, you know, she had the handicap placard on her car and, you know, she had everything that she needed to be able to be, um, able to park in that spot. Uh, but I guess some woman had come out of her car at the same time we did along with the woman who had parked in the handicap spot. Um, and the woman that got out of the car in the handicapped spot, she was Walking, you know, normally into the grocery store. And my husband and I heard the other woman say, "Um, well, she doesn't look handicapped." And um, you know, that's kind of, you know, where uh, that's an example of, uh, you know, of someone who might be differently abled um being biased towards that, right? We have this bias that someone who is parking in a handicapped space should, You know, either have difficulty walking, should you know have um, maybe in a wheelchair, you know, a cane. Um, There's various different ways that we've kind of thought of someone to be, um, you know, considered handicap. And uh, you know, there's so much more to that, right? There could be underlying things that we physically may not be able to see that puts them in that category as well. So, you know, that's another example of our bias towards someone who you know might be um, have a disability.
0: Isn't it amazing how our brain can make such quick and snap judgments? I I think in some situations it it will serve as well. Like if we are walking down a dark alley and we are noticing a dark figure behind us, our brain is going to immediately make the snap judgment. You need to run. This is a dangerous situation. We need to get out of here. But sometimes our brain makes those same snap judgments in situations where maybe we need to take a step back and reevaluate. I love your example, Janki, because that's a great example of a situation where maybe we need to take a step back and think, okay, is there more to what I'm seeing on the surface? You know, in behavioral health, we always talk about the iceberg. We only see the tip of the iceberg, but there's so much more going on underneath the surface for someone. What I've come to learn um, in my work in mental health and behavioral health is that everyone puts a mask on. We show ourselves to people who we trust, but sometimes when we don't, we have the mask on ready to go. Some people wear the mask very well. And it's hard to really get an idea of what's going on on the inside. Like you mentioned, you know, being differently abled means so many different things. It doesn't mean a physical thing at all times. It can mean something that's internal, that's going on, things that we can't see. And a big part of it is going to be how do we check in with ourselves and have enough self-reflection? So the big question I always get, and I would imagine, Jackie, that you always do too, is Okay. So we know all this about having a bias. Um, What do we do with it? What are some things that we can do to be proactive and making sure that we're checking in with ourselves?
1: Well, I think the first thing is, you know, um, biases come from thinking that we know something, right? Um, So the initial part of that is that we've either maybe um, through our upbringing, through our environment, through systems have been taught to perceive something a certain way. So we think we know, um, you know, why, you know, these things exist or why certain people, you know, um, ageist things or, you know, someone's sexual orientation or race or ethnicity, whatever it is. Um, So we have this like, kind of perception um, that we think we know rather than what it actually is, right? So some, I think biases, one way I I can describe it, um, you know, is like having tunnel vision, right? Um, We can only see what we think we know rather than the bigger picture. And so, uh, you know, when it comes to things like uh, understanding the grander scheme of things, I think it's, educating ourselves, right, taking the time to um, learn, asking questions, being open to um, receiving new information, uh, you know, having open-ended conversations with other people to get a better idea of, of what it actually is rather than what we think it is.
0: Absolutely. And really, even the topic of bias, it's such a gray area. I always think about the opposite. So if we're talking about logic, right, if we're thinking about math, two plus two will always equal four. No matter how many ways we look at it, no matter what we do, that's always going to be a concrete, solid answer. But when we think about something like as we're talking about bias and even as we're talking about it tying into cultural competence, it's such a gray area and it's really not about finding a solid answer that's going to be one and all forever. It's something that is really about how about gathering information and gathering data and continuously updating it as we have more interactions and more connections with others. The more we are able to be vulnerable and connect, the more we're able to update this information data bank that you were talking about earlier. It's really fascinating the way the brain works because our brain is always trying to predict what's going to happen next because it wants to make sure that we're safe. So whenever our brain comes across any situation where um, it feels like it's unpredictable, it feels like it's out of our control and it's tying in with our fears, our brain will always freak out. So what it does and compensation is it it will try to make things as predictable. So it gathers as much data as they can. And it says, I think I know what this person's about. I think I know what this group is about. But the tricky part in the slippery slope is we really don't know. As you mentioned too, we can have two people with similar experiences, but completely different internal um, dialogue of what's really going on. Their thoughts are different. Their emotions are different. As we even think about cognitive behavioral therapy, and we use it so widely in therapy, it's really the foundational um, process of identifying how our thoughts tie in with our emotions, leading to what our behaviors are. And when I think about even bias, I think about, okay, how do we identify what our biased thoughts are? How do we check in with ourselves to think about what do we feel when um, we think about these thoughts? And how does it guide our behaviors? Sometimes if we uh, have such a disconnect with our thoughts and our emotions and we go straight to behavior, we start to act on impulse. And that gets really scary when we come across you know, those that we don't want to hurt, but we do end up hurting. Um, one of my favorite quotes I have to share with you is by Matthew Haig. It's, in order, to get a pro- in order to get over a problem, it helps to look at it. You can't climb a mountain if you pretend it isn't there. And this is really what the conversation is about today. So how do we identify what the mountain is? How do we know how to climb it? And how do we do it in a way that's so um, respectful and kind and compassionate towards others? Because you know, I feel like that's what really life is about. It's really about connection and getting to know one another. The more we get to know another person, the more we get to expand our experiences. And we know that not everyone is black and white and it doesn't fall into all or nothing thinking. But what it does is it really helps our brain wrap around the idea that each human being is complex. Now, Janky, what do you think of the idea? Um, Because this question comes up a lot is, can a person not have any bias at all? Is that a goal that we should work towards?
1: I mean, I think, you know, saying that someone can't or doesn't have any biases, I think that might be, um, you know, Kind of unlikely, right? We're all human beings, and we've all had different experiences um, that have kind of formed some of these biases. And I don't think it's necessarily, you know, us trying to get to a place where we don't have any biases at all, but you know that we are more self-aware. Right, I think the self-awareness piece um, is crucial to to minimizing and reducing some of our biases, uh, because we want to be able to create a situation where we're not having unfair circumstances, and we're not, you know, um, isolating certain groups of people, or we're not letting it affect our quality of work. And so, I don't think it's possible for it to never exist, but I do think it's possible to put them in check. Um, and I think that requires us to be self-aware about that. It's not someone else's responsibility to educate us on that or, you know, um, kind of simplify it or dumb it down for us, but it definitely is ours, right? It's our job to be able to put it in check and identify like, Hey, this is maybe an area that I'm lacking or an area that I don't really necessarily understand or comprehend. And, um, do my due diligence to be able to, uh, you know, learn more about it, educate myself on it, um, you know, take a step back and look, you know, outside in sometimes before, um, you know, creating an unfair circumstance per se.
0: It's really fascinating that you bring that up because, you know, how how easy could it be if we just approached every single person we met with curiosity, with a blank slate, with the idea of asking um, you know, how can I, how can I better understand you? Share with me your struggles. Share with me what you've been through. It really brings the topic up in mind of uh, the idea of color blindness or even um, bias blindness. I always think about it in the sense that um, it comes with good intentions. It comes with this intention of wanting equality for all. And I really think about the differences. You know, with colorblindness, even with bias blindness, it's almost like saying, "I want equality for both of us." Therefore, your struggles and my struggles are on the same level, which is a slippery slope. Or as I think about bias, awareness is really more about saying, I want equality for all of us. Help me understand what you've been through. Help me understand what your struggles have been. And it's really the acknowledgement of your pain and my pain doesn't mean that one is greater. doesn't mean that one is more important. It just means that everyone has gone through such significant different struggles and it's important to share stories. It's important to talk about this. There's another group quote I really love. And it is by um, Raman Bender Salazar. And he says, humanity has always used conversation to transform the world around them. I feel it's so powerful because even as we're having a conversation about it, I encourage, of course, more people to have conversations about it. When we start to find ourselves in our comfort zone and we feel really comfortable with everything that we're doing, the people around us, we really should take a step back and ask, is there any room for growth if I'm so comfortable? Should I step outside of my comfort zone a little bit to get to know someone new, to get to know someone different? Jackie, in your experience, you know, what's it been like to step outside of the comfort zone and really kind of getting a, a blank slate open picture of somebody?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think initially it's really difficult. I'm not going to lie. I think um, sometimes when you're raised to think a certain way or believe um, certain things, um, kind of going against that isolates you, right? Um, it might make you the black sheep. And, um, you know, even a personal example of myself is I come from a very, you um, Conservative, strong South Asian community, and um, South Asian beliefs in itself can have very conservative views at times. Um, and so, for someone like myself to be able to work in the field of mental health, um, mental health is very stigmatized in my community. Right? There's a lot of biases already formed regarding mental um, mental health, right? And and just having a mental illness in general. And so, I think in with that example, it can be very difficult sometimes to step out of, you know, that comfort zone or what, what, you know, and, you know, kind of go against the water rather than, you know, go with the flow, because it does isolate you, right? It does kind of put you in a a bubble where you might be having to tackle that on your own, right? And so I can understand sometimes why people might just go with the flow, and kind of acknowledge some biases as, you know, they are, because it it prevents them from being put in a position to be isolated, right? Maybe by the community you grew up in, or maybe by your family, or maybe by, you know, spiritual, religious beliefs, or whatever it might be. Um, So I think, you know, in those situations, it's always not the easiest choice to start off with. But I think once you're in it, and you're, you know, really trying to, Kind of clear yourself of some of these biases like you mentioned previously, Anna, of you know taking the time to reflect and learn and educate yourself um, that you're you surely you slowly start realize that a lot of the times you are following blindly, right? that you're you're not really um, taking into consideration the bigger picture, but just a small kind of fragment of what it actually is.
0: I love that you mentioned the family unit because um, as we're talking about the idea of, checking in with our biases, there are so many different environments that bring upon um, and trigger different emotions in us, right? So if we're thinking about the family unit um, or even relationships that we've had for a long time and family, I say loosely, it could be um, the family that we grew up with. It could be the family that we've chosen. Um, When the the family, it's a little more difficult, I feel, because we are so closely embedded within the system. We have these long relationships that we've had for many, many years. And sometimes when we're so deep in it, it's hard for us to take a step back and see. Whereas sometimes in a professional setting, um, let's use healthcare as an example. It could be sometimes a little easier to be able to check our biases at the door because we can say, okay, this is a professional setting. This is what I'm going to do. And it's common to ask questions. It's common to approach it with curiosity. It's common to you know, want to get to know a person that we don't know very well, like an acquaintance. Whereas sometimes when we have our deeply bedded relationships, Maybe we're not asking questions to get to know them a little more. Maybe we've um, gotten so comfortable that we've forgotten to really inquire about, you know, do they have different thoughts than us? Do they have different perspectives and and preferences? It's so important, regardless of the relationship as an acquaintance, uh, whether in your professional setting, in your personal life, what would it be like to continue to ask questions, continue to get to know the person, continue to connect? I love researcher Brene Brown because her entire career she's researching, how do we connect with each other? How do we create a sense of belonging? And when we look at something like um, when we are checking in with our own biases, we are really making sure that we are checking in with our experiences, our assumptions, to be able to set that aside so that we can connect, so that we can belong. Um, one of the things that I really think about Atanji is biases. Um, it's not as black and white, right? There's such complexity to it. What do you think of the idea of there is positive in biases?
1: I think sometimes um, you know the positive component to sometimes having a bias is. Um, it'll, it can serve as a protective factor for some people, right? Um, and and it's, it's also very dependent on how that biases is, you know, relayed, perceived, um, believed even, because as long as it's not impacting or getting in the way of, um, or impacting a group of people or getting in the way of, you know, uh, growth or whatever it might be, I think sometimes having those biases can be advantageous. Um, because it might allow them to create a protective factor in a situation that may not be so beneficial to them, right? Um, But I I think it's also how it's disseminated and how it's portrayed.
0: I love that because it's really about how we use it too, right? It's not about looking at like it's good and bad because very rarely in this world and in this life is something just truly 100% good, 100% bad. But the way we wanna look at it is how do we use it? Um, to be more respectful? How do we use it to connect? And one of the things I really think about is, you know, being in healthcare, um, do you have, have you had the experience of seeing it play out, whether it is for the better or maybe for the worse, um, having have bias, maybe impacting patients getting healthcare?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I've seen it more for the worse of, of patients um, getting the support that they needed. Um, you know, I think nowadays it's, One of those situations where I I hear a lot from, you know, some of the patients that I work with that um, it might be more so leaning towards um, a provider might have bias towards, uh, you know, treating a particular diagnosis um, because of the risks. Right. Um, So in that sense, I don't think it's necessarily always a bad thing. I think it might be just maybe the provider had a bad experience with someone who had uh, the same health condition. In the past and so they're not necessarily wanting to go a treatment route that might be you know um what the patient is okay with or what their patients like oh well why don't we go this route or what and a, a provider might be a little bit more hesitant right but at the end of the day if we're truly advocating for our patients and wanting them to get the best care possible um i think take you know kind of removing those biases and um all it takes is giving the patient all options possible, right? Risks, benefits, you know, um, upside, downside, and and that can help remove some of those biases as well. Um, You know, I think also age, like I mentioned previously, like there's also a stigma with older adults, right? Um, There are many people might have the bias of like, oh, well, why are we doing such invasive procedures on them or spending so much time with treatment when we know that they probably won't be here for much longer. Right. And so, I think some of those biases do come up in the healthcare setting um, when it comes to providing patient care. And sometimes I don't think it's always ill intended. Um, I do think that sometimes it might be just because, you know, okay, this is, this might even cause them to have more concerns, right? If we're doing an invasive procedure on a 93 year old, um, there might be some long-term consequences after that and, and, and could make things more difficult. Um, so I I just think that some, some of those things definitely do come up in, you know, working with patients or what I've heard from patients, um, in, in getting the services that they need.
0: That's such an important topic to bring up because it's so important to emphasize to patients, um, to everyone, to empower them, to advocate for themselves, to share their story. It's hard because of course, if we, um, we don't know someone we know on the surface things like our brain makes those quick snap judgments it's important to be able to advocate for ourselves to be assertive and to say you know i'd really like for you to take a look at this again or i'd really like for you to share with me again um help me understand if we can talk about it a second time a third time help me understand what your recommendations are you know being able to speak to our own experiences and what we also want out of healthcare as well and and behavior health and what we want out of life in general it's good to have an idea like you said of all the pieces of the puzzle all of our options so that we can make an informed decision one of the things i always think about with biases okay if we flip it to cuz it's not black and white, right? It's not all or nothing. If we flip it to how we can we use this to our advantage, it could be used as a tool to just gather more information. It's not used as a tool to obtain a one and only answer. So if we're thinking about it in terms of healthcare as well, in the examples that you gave, Janke, it could be used as a tool to say, okay, I think I have an idea of what's going on, but what would it be like if I asked more questions to find out more answers to gather more information not to mean that the answers are going to be solving the issue here it just means that okay the more data we collect the more information we have about a person the more we see them as a human being and the more we can um, treat the complexity of what's going on instead of maybe the all or nothing or black or white issue and i think it's really the idea we're getting into the gray area of how to think with biases here. We're getting into the gray of how to live with it, what to do with it, how to use it to our advantage instead of having it be something that's a challenge or a barrier that we feel like we can't get over. I know it can be discouraging sometimes if we have um, something that is, it feels a little shameful, right? And to be honest, because bias has such a negative connotation that there's a lot of shame with it, that we may not want to talk about it. We may not want to explore it a little more. But the biggest thing we want to take away from what can we do is how can I self-reflect and think about this as a tool instead of it finding a one-all be-all answer in itself? And we think about um, interactions with relationships instead of looking for answers and using it to solidify what we think about a person entirely. And we generalize it because really that's how stereotypes form. We want to be able to think about, okay, this is one person's experience. Is it possible that another person of similar circumstances will have a different viewpoint? You know, as we're talking about the complexity of it, is it possible to get to know a person underneath the mask? Is it possible to ask more meaningful questions? I always say, you know, small talk is is um, you know when we talk about the weather, when we talk about something that's right on the surface, it doesn't really do anything for our soul. But when we talk about the things that are deeper and more vulnerable, we're showing people who we really are, and that's really what uh, combats having biases. Is if you show people who you really are, it's it's really on them what they decide to do with that information. For us, we've made the leap sharing a piece of ourselves with another person.
1: And I, I think along with it, Anna, you know, besides, I mean, culturally competent providers, if you want to be a culturally competent provider and be able to kind of check your biases, aside from, you know, us showing them who we are, it's also allowing them and providing them a space to show them who, you know, show us who they are, right? Um, it goes both ways, right? It's it's one thing to allow someone to know you and the intricacies and um, be vulnerable and provide it, you know, compassion and all of that, but it has to go both ways, right? Um, you have to be willing to allow someone to have that space um, and and to allow yourself to be more culturally competent. Um, Don't assume that someone from a particular race or ethnicity, uh, you know, falls into a certain kind of criteria, maybe when it comes to their health or that they're already predisposed to something like that. Um, But allowing them the opportunity to share that and providing a safe space for them to do that.
0: Absolutely. And even on that, you know, I've worked with patients who are a little older and it's so strong how biases can impact us because it's not just the biases we have about other people, but it's the messages we've uh, accrued about ourselves and where we're at. I've had patients who are a little older who um, have said, oh, you probably think I don't know anything. You probably think I can't do anything. Because it's this message that gets sent out to society that gets um, generalized as a universal bias that then comes back inward, and that's what they start to think about themselves. And that's the dangerous part is when we have biases that we have um, similarities with other people who have the same biases, and that becomes a universal bias, it always comes back around because that's the message that we then absorb. And we ask, oh, is that... Is that what I'm like? Is that where I'm at with my life at this moment? You know, when we talk about something like ageism, when we get to a point where we think about, oh, this is what society thinks of people who are my age. Is that really reflection of me? And that's really what we're really trying to combat. We wanna have the conversation. We wanna connect with others because um, there's this golden rule that might be a little outdated and it's do unto others as we would have others do unto ourselves. And i always say it's a little outdated because what if we instead of the golden rule what if we transitioned to the platinum rule which is treat others how they would like to be treated
1: i think that's so important i think um yeah you know do unto others as we would uh, have others do unto ourselves it really re- it's, it's assuming that everybody wants to be treated the way that we want to be treated right um we're, like you said, human beings are not black and white, where there's a lot of gray area. And so um, the platinum rule is really kind of being able to put all that other stuff aside and ask somebody and treat somebody the way that they would like to be treated. Um, You know, we can't just assume that, oh, everyone, there's a universal way everybody wants to get treated, right? Um, uh, Different people's experiences um, kind of might change that. And it might uh, you know, some things might be acceptable for one and may not be acceptable for others. Right. And so knowing, um, how to really be able to acknowledge what others' needs are and how they would like to be treated rather than the assumption of like, oh, well, I would like to be, I like to be treated nicely and with kindness and with, you know, someone who's soft-spoken and da, 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 da. And, and so I'm assuming that that's what they would like as well. Um, but that's not always necessarily the case. It could be something that's completely opposite of that.
0: It's so important uh, as we're talking about this rule, too, as we're talking about connecting and being vulnerable a big part of it too is communication. If we were able to communicate how we like to be treated, how we like to be communicated, what's our love language, how do we know um, how we like to receive affirmations, how do we like to receive feedback, it all goes into the same effort of wanting to communicate better, wanting to get a better understanding of another person, and that in itself, we take that and we respect it, and we honor it, and it enhances the relationship so much. I can't even begin to tell you when someone starts to communicate and understand how the other person likes to communicate, it's almost like you're finally on the same wavelength. Instead of having AM and FM radio that's separate, you can finally be on the same wavelength to get an idea of, oh, when this person is direct, that's really their communication style. It's not personal to me. And I think about bias and cultural competence and really the same manner of wanting to really get an understanding of each individual, how they communicate, what their preference is. And our brain, what it does is it gets used to storing individual databases instead of generalizing. If our brain is used to generalizing and taking things and saying, overall, this is what I think of this this entire group, um, it's going to continue that pattern unless we break it. If we start to take an individual information and we say, this person likes to communicate this way, this person's love language is this. What our brain does is it goes, okay, we're individualizing. So we're going to have separate buckets for each person instead of grouping it all together, which then creates bias.
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, when we can see the person as, you know, a separate entity and, you know, not kind of lump them together as a whole, right? Not assuming that all fifth graders are all going to be the same, but that this specific fifth grader, you know, Johnny is, you know, these are his interests and da, 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 and they vary from his classmate, Ashley, right? And um, allowing people to have that ability and be acknowledged individually rather than as a whole.
0: I love that. I re- it really reminds me of the saying, that um, my perspective is my reality but what would it be like if we changed it to our perspective is our reality it really um, it does wonders what empathy can do to be able to step into someone's shoes and to know that they are a different person even amongst a group to be able to have different characteristics for them different traits Everyone can be loving, but they can be loving in a different way. They could be angry, and they can all show it differently as well. And it really reminds me, the more we step outside of our comfort zone, the more we step outside of our perspective, it doesn't become my perspective, but it becomes our perspective. And that's such a, a, a beautiful way to communicate, a beautiful way to connect. And it's a way to make us all feel like you know we are closer to one another. Because as you know, Jackie, being in behavioral health, it can be very isolating to feel like we're alone, to feel like maybe no one's experiencing what we are. But to be in a group of people who we can be individuals and come together, I really think that's what it's all about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think as providers, even in just like a grander scheme of like healthcare, right, um, every department has like their own uh, kind of like pros and cons. And, you know, sometimes, um, you know, providers may not see addressing mental health concerns as the priority and you know we might realize like hey uh until we get some of this stuff figured out the rest is kind of just going to be the way it is right and um so sometimes it is very isolating and lonely because it may not be seen in the way that it needs to be seen um and i think when you talk about bias that's exactly what it is right it's seeing the based on what you want to see um uh, not really what's the entire picture um and you know i i really like going back to that quote of just treating others how they would like to be treated. Um, I think that also goes with, you know, when you're working in a professional setting, when you're working with your colleagues and, you know, not assuming that, you know, they are a certain type of way or, you know, you not having an assumption about a provider, like that all providers who work in this specific field have this kind of, you know, perception about X, Y, and Z. Um, And I've come across that quite a bit, you know, in working, with other professionals and other specialties is people are like, oh, well, cardiologists are always like this. And, you know, um, doctors who work in pulmonology are always like this. And so not kind of grouping people up.
0: You're right. When we start to say always or never, that's a red flag for us to check in with ourselves. Now, Janki, is there anything else that we haven't covered that you want to make sure our listeners know?
1: No, not that I can really think of, but I think one thing that, you know, if we're going to take it upon ourselves to help people check their biases or understand their biases or even bring their biases to the forefront so that they can start working on that, um, don't, you know, assume that someone isn't willing to change. I think that's the big thing that I've come across is some people will say, oh, well, they're just fixed in their ways or, you know, that's just how he is or she is. And um, I think it's one of those that's in itself is another bias, right? It's an assumption. And so, um, you know, giving everyone that blank slate like we talked about, and I think more often than not, you'd be surprised that people are actually willing to hear you out and understand if it's, you know, information is disseminated appropriately, um, compassionately, not in a non-defensive kind of stance. And I think if you are able to do that, people are willing to hear you out.
0: Absolutely. And I I will say this kind of work is incredibly difficult. I know we're talking about it as we're giving examples. You know, I want to just emphasize this is meaningful, reflective, but incredibly difficult work. And if you're willing to do it, it's got amazing results. It's it's really the, the difference of seeing in black and white versus seeing in color. It really changes our outlook and our perspective entirely. But Janky, thank you so much for your time today. You know, thank you for joining us today on Culture of Health. We look forward to continuing the important conversation on equity, diversity, and inclusion in healthcare with more experts from Providence in future episodes. Make sure to listen to all our shows on Dash Radio under Future of Health Radio or your favorite podcast platform. And follow us on social media. We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and Instagram under Providence Health Systems. To learn more about our mission programs and services, go to providence.org. And please remember the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always, always, always consult with your healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. Thank you everyone for listening. And remember, at Providence, we see the life in you.